We were here last Sunday. I showed you where we are with the building. And we thank God for how he has helped us. As of last Sunday, we had done 193 trips of sand. As at, uh, as at yesterday, I think we have done about 200 and something. Um, the sand filling is still ongoing. And we trust God that he will help us. But what I want to say tonight is, if you were here last Sunday, I said to us, the project cost is about $750 million give and take. If prices do not fluctuate, if things stay as they are, then that should be able to do the project for us and complete it. Our desire, our prayer unto God is that by December we should be dedicating that building by the grace of God. So what that means is that every one of us if you've been blessed by ministry from this house, it's a year of sacrifice. Serious sacrifice. And what I said last week is if you know God has blessed you to that capacity, you can decide to be part of 750 people who will give 1 million naira to see that that project is done. You can give it once, you can give it in 12 months, you can give it in 5 months as the Lord helps you. So we have what we call the project 750. If you know God has blessed you and you can, please do join us. Um, as of today, we have about 6 people who have already joined project 750. So what we are looking for now is 744 people. So if the Lord has so blessed you, join. We have a special WhatsApp group. We will add you to the group. And then updates will be provided as God helps us. The urgent matter at hand now is that if we do not complete the foundation by the end of February, once the rains begin in March, it will wash away our sand. So we need to complete the foundation latest by the end of February. The cost for the foundation is 40 million. That's our projected cost. 40 million naira. So it means that out of 40 million, we already have 5 million in the account. We have 6 people who have said they will give 1 million. So we are looking for roughly 30 million thereabout. So please, if you're online, you're on site, we need 40 million urgently to move the foundation so that our sand efforts will not be wasted. We have to do the culvert, we have to do the foundation, and this is very, 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 very urgent. It's a year of sacrifice. One million naira for our online followers is about $1,000, and we trust that God will provide for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. This thing I'm doing is one of the hardest to do in my life. It's very difficult. If I had 750 million in my account, God knows that I will not announce. Um, but we are brothers and sisters, so let's partner together and let's trust Jesus for help. Are you ready tonight? Praise God. So let's go back to our pivot scripture. First Peter chapter 1 from verse 13. That's our pivot scripture for this series. I will see how far the Lord will lead me tonight, and then we'll see what the next part will look like. We apologize. Um, our second screen, the cables seem to have a problem. Um, you know, when you move equipment back and forth, back and forth, there could be issues from time to time. Um, but I believe that we are a teaching church, so everybody should be here with their Bibles. Are you here with your Bibles? Whether it's hard copy or soft copy. I know that there are some charismatic preachers 
that have said if you have a soft copy Bible, you are not going to heaven. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Hallelujah. So if you have it in soft copy or in hard copy, please feel free to um, bring out your Bibles now because only my own screen is working. And if you have a Bible translation that has multiple, or a Bible software that has multiple translations, you will probably help me during the teaching so that people will flow with the things that God will speak to us tonight. All right, before we jump into scripture, just a recap for those people that were not here last week so that you will come up to speed in case you have not listened to last week's teaching. The feedback that I got from last week's teaching has been awesome. So I know that this series, God packaged it for somebody. All right, so as of last week, part of the things we said last week is sanctification is warfare. Sanctification is warfare. And the warfare of sanctification is a warfare for your soul. The most important part of a man's existence is not flesh, it's not spirit, it is soul. And I said to us last week that whatever captures your soul automatically becomes your God. Your God. The condition of your soul will automatically determine the expression of your life. So whatever state your soul is in will be reflected in how you live on a daily basis. If your soul has not come under the complete government of God, it will be obvious in the things that you pursue in the visible realm. So we can, we can judge the state of every man's soul by looking at the things that have become their pursuit. We can judge the state. Even though the soul is invisible and we cannot see the soul with the physical eyes, the revelation of the condition of a man's soul are in the things that the person pursues in the physical realm. So it is warfare. What God is trying to do in sanctification is separate you from the things that have capacity to destroy you. God understands that what Satan is after is not your car. What Satan is after is not your admission. What Satan is after is not necessarily your marriage. He will come after your marriage if he knows that in attacking your marriage, it will affect your soul. He will come after your business if he knows that in attacking your business, your soul will become grieved, oppressed, depressed. He will attack those things. But the things Satan touches in the physical is not because the things in the physical are important. He touches them in the hope that in touching them, he can afflict your soul. So your soul, God recognizes how important your soul is. So he puts us after salvation into the process of sanctification so that the things that make the, the souls of men slaves to Satan will not have capacity to rule your life. So I said to us last week that sanctification is both instant and it is continuous. Instant, you are separated from the world. Instantly, you are separated from sin. Instantly, you are separated from the activities of the flesh. But for you to be able to maintain that reality, sanctification will have to be continuous. And sanctification is a lifelong experience. You will continue to go through the process of sanctification until you die. So when God separates you from sin, which is the initiating point into salvation, 
The second separation is then the separation unto his will. So while many Christians have been separated from sin in the sense that they have been washed, it's not that sin has died, sin still exists, but sin no longer has that corruption within their soul. They've been separated from sin. They've been separated from the, 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 the effects and the consequences of sin that was imputed unto them as a result of Adam's disobedience. But once that has happened, many Christians do not advance on their journey to the other experience of sanctification whereby you are now separated unto the will of God. So if you remember why we were talking about, we looked, look, talking about that, we looked at the scripture. Media, help me with that scripture. 1 John 2 and verse 15. We'll come back to 1 Peter. 1 John 2 and verse 15. If you've been in church, you've heard that scripture quoted many times. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And my emphasis in this scripture is that it is not only the world that exists. The world has her things. The world has her things. Now, if you're a student of the Bible, you will find out that the world, a metaphor for the world, is the spirit city that is called Babylon. The spirit city that is called Babylon. It's a metaphor for the experiences of the world. So Babylon has her principles. Babylon has her systems. Babylon has her processes. And Babylon has her things, has her gold. And all of these things are designed to seduce. To seduce. To lure. To draw. The undiscerning. So if you do not break the hold of the world and the things that are of the world the scripture is very clear that if you love the world the love of the father does not exist in your verse so it's not possible for you to say that you have been separated from sin and separated unto the will of God and we do not see it reflected in the things that you love Somebody will say things like, um, the, 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 the comedy has all kinds of, all kinds of nonsense, uh, um, immoral words inside, but the guy is funny. So even though the guy is saying immoral things, we should still be laughing because the guy is funny. But you see, the things of the world do not match the things of righteousness. There has got to be a clear distinction, a clear difference. If you say that you serve the Lord, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We are in the throne room. And in the throne room, you hear angels singing. So that was just a sign to you that this meeting is not holding here. The throne room. So it, ha it, 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 it is supposed to be very obvious that this one has been separated. If it is not obvious that you are separated, then there is something wrong with your Christianity. And I was saying to us last week that the reason separation is not very visible in the life of the Christian is because of what we call 
unholy desires. So the Christian does not want to be, he doesn't want to show the world that he's different because he still craves the very things that the world craves. Okay. Let's go to verse 16 and let's read it in NLT. Give me verse 16 in NLT. It says, you might, you might not be able to see it, but let me read it to you. It says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from where? This world. The world only offers a craving for what? Physical pleasure. A craving for what? Everything that we see. So if indeed you have been separated unto God, it should reflect in your cravings. In the things that you yearn for. In your desires, that is the first place we will begin to see that a clear separation has occurred. That you have really been cut out. You have come out from amongst them. And you are now separated unto God. Cravings. And if you were here last week, the burden I tried to afflict you with is that you must answer the question, what exactly are your secret cravings? You know this second thing that he talks about, he says a craving for everything we see. I showed you last week that it was such a craving that destroyed Solomon. It was such a craving that destroyed Solomon. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and from 10 to verse 12 that Solomon was the one that testified with his own mouth. He said, everything my eyes desired, I withheld not from them. It was a craving for everything that he saw. So, this internal sickness that the Christian is suffering, it's surprising that even though the Bible is very clear, very clear. So, if the Bible is very clear about the doctrine of separation, then why then is the body of Christ in present day struggling to line up with this basic requirement of the Christian faith? Why? It is because I, the body of Christ has not been properly taught or the things that we have been taught have lied to us that able to be on the side of the Lord and produce the fruits of this. Let me show you a scripture. Give me James chapter 3, give me verse 10. James chapter 3, give me verse 10. James chapter 3 and verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Out of the same mouth. Blessing and cursing. James is trying to establish a principle here. That you cannot say that you are from a certain root. And the things that produce, that come out of your mouth, are deceptive. We do not really know which side to which you belong. He says, 
out of the same mouth there is blessing and there is cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be, to be so. A sister, for instance, and these things are things that I, 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 I sit down in my quiet place and I wonder, how can this sister think that this thing is normal? A sister who speaks in tongues and does all these revival things and does all kinds of strange things, she wants to post on Facebook, she's half naked. And it's not just that she's half naked, she will put a, a, an inscription on top of it. The Lord's daughter, or Abba's best daughter. Abba's special daughter. Abba's delight. And she's half naked. You don't understand what dressing is. When we go back to First Peter, you will see that Peter said that you have to be holy in all manner of conduct. If you read it in the old King James, it says all manner of conversation. Fashion is a conversation. Have you not heard them say, make a fashion statement? Your fashion speaks. Your dressing is an external expression of your inner life. Your dressing. That's why the Bible speaks about the attire of a harlot. A harlot, she is portraying externally what she desires internally. It's, a, it's, a, it's an expression of your internal life. Dressing is a visual communication of your identity and your values. So when we look at the way you are dressed, we know, we know, we know your identity. And then we know your values. When somebody has breast outside and then the, the lap is, is like this. When she wants to sit down, she has to do the dress like this. Because if, you, if, you, if she sits down carelessly, the, she has to hold the two together. Auntie, are you not the one who sold it? There is a reason. There is something on the inside. There are values the person is trying to communicate. The person is saying, I am for sale. Come and enjoy. I am for sale. And the things I'm selling, I've put them in show glass. Come and buy. Now, if you are a Christian, if, how did you meet God and it did not affect your identity? That when we see you, we cannot tell, is this one a harlot or, a, a, or Abba's delight? Why are you confusing people? That's how many Christian lives are. Out of the same mouth, there is blessing and there is cursing. We don't know your identity anymore. We can't tell the difference between you and the world. That is not Christianity. And you know right now, recent happenings in the body of Christ have, have made it an urgency in the spirit for us to call ourselves to a solemn assembly. The average Christian does not know who a Christian is. We don't know who men of God are anymore. We don't have the discernment to say this one is a man of God, this one is not. People that have been born again for years. In fact, many people that we revere and we consider fathers because of all kinds of things that are available in the body of Christ, they've gone to stand on platforms and giving validation to Babalaos. See, brother, dear sister, I've taught you many times. If it is the Holy Ghost that you received, eh? the Holy Ghost, you don't need a preacher to tell you 
whether this one is right or this one is wrong, if it's Holy Ghost. He was speaking to all believers. He said, test all spirits. He was not speaking to pastors. He was not speaking to bishops or apostles. It was regular believers. It means that if he's saying you should test all spirits, it's because there's a download, there's a capacity that exists for you to test all spirits. I stood there and I said that I can't trust some of these people. If you stand on a platform, you say you are a gospel minister, and you stand on a platform once, we will think it's a mistake. Eh? We can agree it's a mistake. That you arrived there by mistake. The honorarium was too fat, so it blinded your eyes by mistake. And you arrived. Then after you stood there one time, you have, repeat, you have arrived five other times. Or God tell us the truth, the envelope is too good. You can't resist the envelope. Tell us the truth quietly. Nobody will fight you. The way we are in the body of Christ now, if you like, be, write it on, on the top of your, your, your church. I serve demons. You will have members. Ah. Right now, come to the pulpit with a red cloth and remove the head of a chicken and do, ebe, ebe, ebe. And people fall under the anointing. You will have members. Nobody will fight you. Just tell us the truth. Because if you have Holy Ghost, you don't need to be taught. You will know that this thing is not of God. But you know what? They are unholy appetites. The believer is looking for opportunity to solve all their problems. And if the solution is in Satan's hand, they are willing to travel that far unholy desires. Go to the next verse, verse 11. It says, Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Are you looking at your Bibles? If you read it in the Old King James, it says, Can a fountain eh? send forth at the same place Sweet water and bitter is not possible. So why is it that you claim to be on the Lord's side and we can't tell the difference between you and a non-believer? The same mouth that you used to do, gege, gugu, bara, climb, climb, and you are flying like this in the spirit. That same mouth is what you used to sing that you are, you are, you are unavailable. That same mouth is the same mouth that you used to sing all kinds of immoral and laugh at crude jokes. That same mouth. That same mouth is what you are using to kiss somebody that you are not married to. And you know the, the painful thing, the thing I'm afraid of the most is that you will finish and come back into the Lord's house and act as if everything is okay. James says, it ought not to be so. How can you be a thief on Monday and, and claim to be righteous on Sunday? There's something wrong. The problem, and there's a reason God wants us to begin 2024 like this. The problem is, there is something you want and you are afraid God will not give it to you. You know that if you stand before God with that hunger, God will say that this thing is an abomination. 
Those who are, are part of my children don't want things like this. So what do you do? You hide it and you try to be a double agent. You are a child of light in the day, but you are also a child of darkness in the night. Child of light and darkness. And you see, if we don't begin to tell ourselves the truth, like I was saying to us on Sunday, we will see the glory of our fathers. We will see the dimensions of God that he expressed with our fathers. Our generation will pray, 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 and God will be saying, I'm waiting for them to die. I will use their children. Because the glory of God is tied to the holiness of God. Give me verse 12. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries or can a vine figs? So, no fountain both yields salt water and fresh water. If your fountain is Holy Ghost, how come that out of your own belly is not flowing the waters of the Spirit, other things can find expression? There's something wrong. If what is coming out is bad, the problem is not with what is coming out. The problem is with the source. That's what I'm saying. That's what the Bible is saying. That if the source is good, the outflow will be good. And if the source is bad, the outflow will be bad. The principle of separation is in the entire Bible. Okay, let me show you something in the Old Testament. Help me, Holy Spirit. Love in Akabaya. Give me Judges chapter 2. Let's begin at verse 1. Let me tell you a story. The first time I saw this story, I sat down in my prayer place and I said, ah, ah. God is very detailed, very detailed in his dealings with his people. Now, if you've ever read the Exodus story, if you've ever read God's dealings with Israel, and I need to say quickly before we go ahead, that everything that God did with Israel was a metaphor for New Testament realities. Everything. If you've been here long enough, I've taught you. Israel's coming out of Egypt is what we call salvation in the New Covenant. Israel going through the wilderness is what we call sanctification. Are you with me? He said, I took you through the wilderness of Sinai that I might reveal what was where in your heart. The dealings in the wilderness was to reveal the condition of their soul. That's why those whose souls stayed in Egypt, even though the location had changed, they had come out of Egypt, they were now in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. The promised land is Zion, is our eternal dwelling with the Lord. They were on their way, they were doing life on a daily basis. But even though they were doing life, they were double agents. Any small thing, they are remembering Egypt. It happens today. A girl is born again and then she's going through tough times. What do you expect? That you will leave Satan and Satan will leave you alone? Even Jesus, after Jesus triumphed, the Bible says Satan left him for a while. Your Jesus, Satan left him for a season. He said, okay, you try now and they come. I'm coming back. 
A young lady will get born again and then she will sit there in her room and say, Oh my God, when I had boyfriends, I didn't used to suffer like What did you expect? What did you expect? That now that you have decided you want to serve the Lord and put the boyfriends aside, that Satan will say, Well done, eh? Just be enjoying yourself. He will, he will, he will make sure like you keep feeling as if there is something in Egypt that you left behind. If you don't read the story of Israel in Egypt, and you read only their story in, in the wilderness, you'll be wondering, now what was in Egypt that these people were crying for? Eh? Any small thing? Say, Moses, you should have left us in Egypt. If you don't know the story of Egypt, you would have been thinking, Kai, say Egypt goes sweet, oh. Say, the way these people, they cry for Egypt, so. Say, Kai. But we know the backstory. They were slaves. Sofa wanted to kill them. Taskmasters wanted to finish them. When the taskmasters became very fierce, the Bible says they cried out. These are the same people that, just because of lack of water, I would think they will look back and say, Kai, it's better to die of thirst. It's better to be a free man that is thirsty of water than a slave that can drink gallons. But that was a metaphor for sanctification. Those who did not survive the process, the Bible says all of them died where? In the wilderness. That's a metaphor that not everybody who began out of Egypt will make it to Zion. Not everybody. Some, when they die in this world, it will be a death that translates to eternal damnation. Some, when they die in this world, it will be a death that will translate to eternal life. They died. He said, you can't, you, can't, you can't enter Zion like this. Your soul has refused to leave Egypt alone. Your soul is conditioned with a desire that even though I bring you into the promised land, you will keep going back. Imagine... All those who left Egypt, none. Not one, no, none. Uh, okay, apart from Joshua and Caleb. The rest died in the wilderness. It was, it was the ones that were born in the wilderness. You see, I pray every day that God don't pass our generation and be looking for our children. Imagine parents died. It was their children that made it into Canaan. Is a metaphor. Everything that happened with Israel in the Old Testament was a metaphor. When God said to Israel, he said to Moses, go and tell them, be ye holy for I am holy. That thing was to tell them that, look, I brought you out of Egypt and the priority of bringing you out of Egypt is not to bless you. It's to bring you to me. Come and be joined to me. Know me and make me known to other nations. So when they look at the way you live, they can have an idea of what your God is like. I am not like other gods. Be holy. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. There's no time, but I would have shown you in Scripture that when they were leaving Egypt, the Lord said to Moses that the land I am taking you to, what you are going to do is that you are going to wipe them all out. Are you with me? He was giving them that land as a possession, but that land was already inhabited. This is why he said, I will make you a kingdom of priests. 
So you will both be kings and you will be priests. So that when I give you a land, if I give a land to Naphtali, for instance, all of them that are in Naphtali have the technology of dominion and they know the technology of priesthood. So they could take over lands. They could take over territories. He said, wipe all of them out. You know what they did? When they got into Canaan, you know what they did? They now decided that God doesn't know what he's saying. So they pampered them. And in pampering them, we don't have the time to read it. When you get to go and read Judges chapter 1. The only two people that did what God told them was Caleb and the house of Joseph. Go and read it. Caleb, according to what Moses told them, they gave him his portion and the Bible says he drove out the Anaks. You know who were the Anaks? The giants. One man. Benjamin, meanwhile, because between um, Caleb and Joseph's story, they insert Benjamin. Benjamin gets to Bethel, which was their own allotment. And the Bible says that in Bethel were people called the Jebusites. And Benjamin did not drive them out. And the scripture records that the Jebusites dwell with Israel even until this day. I can't talk about the Jebusites. <laughs> I will leave it for another day. Then you get to the next verse. It now says, and the house of Joseph. They got to that city that, is, that, is, that, that they were to take over. And when they got there, they wiped out everybody from the city and stayed there. But all the other tribes, you know what they did? When they would get into their city, they will fight the people, defeat them, then they will conquer them and say, yes, they are our slaves. Then they will now leave them in the territory. I'm sure somebody was saying in his mind, why does God want to kill them? Eh? This God self. People that you can just put as slaves. At least may person day we go to fetch water for our children. People that you can control. The Bible will say, and they subdued them. So all the other tribes had people they were supposed to have driven out. But the people, they left them as their slaves in their lands. Because they think that the principle of separation is for punishment. You don't know that every time God gives you a warning, every time God gives you a commandment, it's an expression of his love, his wisdom, and his mercy. Every time God gives you a warning, every time God gives you a commandment, it's an expression of his love, his wisdom, and his mercy. He loves you. He wants to protect you. He is all wise. He knows the end of a thing from the beginning. So if he's commanding you, he knows what that thing can do to you either positively or negatively. Your, your, your highest wisdom comes nowhere close to the wisdom of God. It's an expression of mercy. The commandments of God are an expression of mercy. God is trying to protect you from sin and its consequences. He's trying to protect you. He knows what sin can do to the mortal. He knows what he can do to your soul. So he gives you commands as preservation. So when God is saying, 
Don't have sex until you are married. He knows what premarital sex can do to you. Some of you are like damaged goods in the spirit now because of premarital sex. I will never forget one, one of the pastors in the denomination I was years ago was sharing a, a story because they invited me and him to a teenager's conference. And he was sharing a story. He's a doctor. Young, at that time he was just 31 and he was already a consultant surgeon. Sharp brain. He, his brain was boiling. He was just 31. He was a consultant surgeon at 31. And he said there's a story he will never forget. I think the girl was 13 or 15. 13. I think she was 13. 13 year old girl. She went and she had sex with a brother and she got pregnant. So in getting pregnant, her friends advised her, huh, your parents will kill you, your parents will kill you. So she went to a quack to abort the baby. So the, the abortion was done. Then she now noticed that she kept bleeding. She was in pain, intense pain. You know when you have gotten to that place where you can't hide the the, the, the mischievousness. You will not cry to your parents. Have you noticed? You will no longer be able to hide it. You will not. The people that you were pretending, you say, they can't control my life. <laughs> huh? When you get to a point where your life is almost damaged, like, like a puppy with your tail in between your legs, you will now know that their age is not, is not, is not, is not cartoon. They didn't get to that age by accident. There's some wisdom. You go back and you know. I did it with my own mother. When Confra wanted to finish me, eh? I had to wake her in the middle of the night. I said, I'll join something. <laughs> I had to wake her. Yes. She, she now went to her mother. They now rushed her to hospital. The doctors began to battle. Hours they were battling, battling. The mother was outside praying. There are some damage that will happen to you in destiny. Prayer will be too late. At that time, it will not be a prayer of intervention. It will be a prayer that God have mercy. Let the person just manage. Don't be angry with me. It's in the Bible. Do you know that Samson could have prayed and said, Oh God! Give me my strength again. But he prayed a prayer of a damaged man. He said, let me die with my enemies. So when they had battled and battled, and there was no way to save the child, the doctor came out and told the mother that the only way to save her, that the quack that did the abortion, in the process, he punctured her womb. Hmm. He punctured. So the bleeding was from the hole in the womb. That there are only two options. Allow her to die or remove the womb. The mother cried. Is there anything we can do? You say, Mama, the more you cry here, the more time is going. Which one? Do we stop the process or we remove the womb? The mama, remove her, remove her. So at 13, at 13, she has initiated herself into a journey that she may never recover from. You know when she was about to pull her pants that day, 
if she comes from a Christian home, all the morning devotions, all the words of her parents would have flashed before her eyes. The warnings of God would have come strong. Huh? But she would tell herself that I want to enjoy myself. We don't know that the commandments of God are not to punish us. They are to protect us. God knows the consequence of sin. Some of you is one ticket, one, one. You just followed your, your friend to the Bet Ninja house and you just say, buy one, one. You bought one ticket, now you are a thief. You steal to play gamble. You are a slave. You can't sleep in the night. When your mates are sleeping, you are awake. Because you are owing all the mobile apps online. When you walk on the street, you walk with hoodie. We think you are doing guy. You are, you, are, you are a fugitive. You are hiding from the law. You are hiding. You are a wanted man. Even your own parents are, are getting ready to kick you out of the house. You have become a slave to an appetite that God warned you. The Bible says that wealth gotten by dishonest gain, it has wings and it flies away. Some of you know what I'm saying. Now, you, your, your thoughts are corrupted. There's no hope. Because you thought that pornography was to give you pleasure. You think Satan is a fool. You are a virgin as a sister. It's a sister I'm speaking to now. You are a virgin as a sister. But you are worse than a prostitute. You are damaged goods. Because even things that prostitutes have not imagined, you have participated, you have done. Your virginity is only in your flesh. Your soul is lost. Because we think that God wants to punish us. So in the book of Judges, Israel felt they were wiser than God. So they decided to keep the corrupted men within the city. That's where Judges chapter 2 and verse 1 began. Let's read together now. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal. Oh, I, I, oh my God. Okay, let's leave it. And came to Bochim and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Verse 2. And you shall make no what? Covenant. With the inhabitants of this land. You shall do what? Tear down their altars. But you have done what? You have not obeyed my voice. The angel of the Lord had to cry. Why have you done this? Why? Why have you done this? It's because there's a secret thing you are nursing. You see? Hmm. I found out as I read through, through scriptures, and I hope I can deal with it tonight, that this is why God makes three recommendations for the one that will survive the wilderness journey and make it to Zion. There's a technology that is called purging. Purging. There's another technology that is called pruning. And the final technology is called death. If you don't allow these technologies to have effect on your life, the angel of the Lord will appear. And you see, the way this angel of the Lord appeared, eh, 
This is not just an ordinary angel. This is a metaphor for the one that is called the Christ. Do you know what Bochim is? Bochim is called the place of weeping. Weeping. They came from Gilgal. The angel came from where? Gilgal. Gilgal is a place of circumcision. It's a place of covenant. That is where every believer is supposed to operate from. That is the initiating point of salvation. Gilgal. Circumcision and covenant. That's where the divine deals with the mortal. So if you notice when he was speaking, he said, I made a covenant with you. We began at Gilgal. How is it now that you have translated from Gilgal? You are now at a place called the place of weeping. Butching. Go to the next verse. Therefore, I also said, because you refuse to do what I told you to do, I'm not going to drive these people out for you. They shall be what? Tons. Where? You know when you disobey God, you think it's God that will suffer. Oh God, if you don't answer me, if you don't answer me, then God will say, uh-huh. You, you, you think it's God that will suffer. When you have slept around with everybody, you think it is God you are doing. It's your own soul you are afflicting. He said, there shall be tons in your sight, and their gods shall be a snare to you. Kai, let's go quickly. Verse 4. Verse 4. So it was when the angel of the Lord, notice that it's in capital letters. That's to tell you that this is not an ordinary angel. This is a metaphor. This is a representation of who? The Christ. Spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and did what? And they wept. I've taught you many times, remorse is not repentance. They wept. Verse 5. Then they called the name of the place Bochim. Bochim means the place of weeping. And they sacrifice there to the Lord. What a wonderful story. Let's read on. Verse 6. And when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each one to his own inheritance to possess the land. Remember, each of these lands still had the demons and the people that God told them to cast out that they refused. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who had lived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Verse 8. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. When he was 110 years old. Verse 9. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Heres in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done. Next verse. Then the children of Israel did what? And who did they serve? Baal. After Joshua and the elders died, that is the generation of Joshua, another generation arose. And the things that their fathers refused to deal with became their snare. Imagine. 
You are master, but you are serving the God of your slaves. What an aberration. That's how the Christian looks in the natural. He has all the resources of the divine, but he's living in this realm at a disadvantage. He wants what is in the hand of beggars. He wants what is in the hands of dead men. The corruption in the world is what he's craving. Meanwhile, he's supposed to be a bearer of life. Men are supposed to be looking at him and saying, I want what he has. Meanwhile, he's looking at men and saying, give me what they have. Baal has become his name. Because of strange appetites. It's on the basis of things like this that Peter was writing to pilgrims and he said to them in 1 Peter chapter 1 go back to verse 13 he was giving them counsel 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 therefore get up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ 14 as what? Obedient children. Not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, verse 15, but as he who called you is what? You also be holy in what? All your conduct. All manner of conversation. In your relationships with the opposite sex, be what? In managing money, be what? In your academics, be what? Young people don't want us to talk now. They cheat in exam like as if cheating is a new technology. Then when you talk, they say, "Are you saying, sir? Sir, are you are you saying?" That it's so, so if somebody asks me now in the hall, I will, now, I will now say I won't answer. Oh God, you are not the first that started it. Be holy in all. All. They put you as a sales girl in the shop. You are stealing madame's money. And you say it's because she's not paying me salary. <laughs> you don't know Jesus. An unrighteous master can be suffering you. It does not give you license to be unholy. You steal that money the way God will punish you. You'll be wondering. But this person is treating me badly. What concerns God with that matter? The matter is that you, in all your conduct, be holy, be separate, be different. Let it be obvious that your life glorifies God. I was in one of our big denominations in the city. A lady came to give testimony. Say, thank God. I want to just give God thanks. Since they employed me, I've not been going to work, but they have been paying me salary. I nearly jumped from where I was and said, you are a thief. 
But I was a guest minister. So I had, I had, to, I had to put my, my zeal under control. <laughs> I expected that the church will, will be quiet and say, which kind of testimony be this? But people were on their feet. This kind God, another one, Lord. You will think you will think that it is God they were praising. The name of that idol is called Baal. It's called Baal. If you don't want to walk, resign. Collecting salary when you are not working, you are a thief. You are a thief. In this kingdom, we have ethics. We don't commit adultery here. It's not our fault. It's the consequence of the life that exists. It's not something we are struggling. So, no, no, no. Something else sits upon our soul. Such a craving does not exist. Our wives are enough for us. The Bible is clear. It says, let her breasts satisfy you. It's a man that is not satisfied that continues to look outside. In this kingdom, we are not thieves. We don't steal here. If it's 25,000, that is our salary, we are satisfied. These hands, we will work hard with these hands. I told you the wealth of the poor man is hard work. We work hard. When we are single, we don't look for girls and boys to satisfy sexual urge. We wait patiently for marriage. We know the only license we have from God for sex is within the institution of marriage. And we are not ashamed about it. We owe no body explanations. When we dress as girls here, we are not, dressing, we are not selling our breasts. Our breasts are not on sale. Our lap, lap, let me tell sisters, lap is still private part. Is a private part. Is private part or is private part? <laughs> lap is private part. <laughs> Jesus, help me. Help me. Jesus, help me. He says, your holiness must be in all manner of conduct. All. So if there's an area of your life that we find that you are not separate, then we need to find out, is this truly one of us? Is this truly one of us? Now in the body of Christ, we can't tell the difference anymore. Baba Lawos are like ministers. And the average Christian does not know the difference. Because we do not know that a call to Christianity is a call to be separate. To be different. To be different. So, most of the time, what creates this conflict in the heart of the believer is this. When you are suffering an internal spiritual hunger and you refuse to discipline yourself to satisfy it most of the time what the mortal does is that he looks for something external 
to try to satisfy a craving that only God can satisfy. I saw the quote in one ancient book. I'm trying to remember the title of the book. I can't remember. But that guy, that book is not, is not a popular book. I'm sure that nobody in this room would have read it. But you see, the guy in that book, that book was written 18-something. He said that when you see a young man knocking on the door of a prostitute's house, what he's actually looking for is Jesus. Wait. First time I saw that quote, I could not understand. What do you mean a man is going to have sex with a prostitute and yet you say it's Jesus? The truth is that mortal man has a craving for satisfaction, for fulfillment, but he's looking for the answers in the wrong places. It's just like Mary Magdalene. Eh? She has been Jesus' disciple. And if she had not heard it once, she would have at least heard it twice. If she had not heard it twice, she would have at least heard it once. That Jesus had said, on the third day, I will rise. She went to the tomb. And, and when she found the tomb empty, I expected that she would run away from there with joy. She sat down and began to weep. Where have you put my Jesus? Auntie, the one whom you love told you that he will rise. Many people in their bid to satisfy something that is crying out for satisfaction. They found themselves in strange relationships. Some people are working themselves out. They are thinking that if they have more money, then that craving, that emptiness will be filled. So they become slaves to mammon. They can do anything for money. Including thinking about it in their minds that they will sacrifice their own mothers. When you see a girl jumping from one boy's house to another, she's trying to find Jesus, but she's acting like Adam and Eve. When they found out they were naked, if I were the one, I would have cried out, Abba! My eyes are open and I am naked. But you know what they did? They went to look for something ex external to cover something that was spiritual. What are you, what are you covering? Auntie, the answer to your tears is not marriage, it's all of God. Find Jesus. Find him. Find him. If you find him, there is a peace he brings. The Bible says it passeth understanding. There is a joy. It's like a river. I have never laid down on the floor to beg God for money or for food. Never. Never. Even in my worst state, when it looked like I was in trouble, I would go to my prayer place to say, Oh God, are they die? And then out of my mouth we come intercession. Save the city. Save the city. 
same disease. There were days I sat down and tears were falling from my eyes. I said, why am I so unlucky? I had done international certification. My mates had not dared. It was 400,000 to do that certification at that time. Nobody dared. I had done it. But every job I applied for, it will look like the gate is short. And when I sit down and say, God, I've done everything that I can. I will think that he will come and comfort me. He will not talk about my finances. He will show me the, 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 the villages. He will show me the city of Bori. He will show me broken men and women. And he will tell me, there is oil on your head. There is oil on this head. So sometimes I go to youth meetings. Broke! Nothing! Me and my wife managing. In my small place there. Where I was staying. Pain in my heart. But when I stand on the pulpit. You will not know that the man that is preaching is a broken man. Broken! But the good thing was I was broken but I was in the Lord's hands. I stayed there. I stayed there. There is nothing. I don't care what my generation is trying to sell. There is nothing in this realm that can satisfy the longing of the mortal soul. If you like, fill your, 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 your folder with comedy. You will laugh and still cry. After you have laughed foolish laughter, when it's now night, around 1 a.m., depression will flood your soul. You will now know that comedy is not a cure for depression. You've not seen people who are in comedy, comedy halls and they are laughing and tears are coming from there. They are laughing, but they are in pain. They are in pain. You didn't hear of a young lady walking in a bank that committed suicide just now. Go and check. I can bet she was a believer. I can bet she was a Christian. Why would she have killed herself? Said the pressure had become too much. The world has set standards that we are desperately trying to meet. There's a craving. And we do not know that only Jesus can satisfy. You can't use anything external to heal that wound. It's a wound that only the hand of the Holy Ghost can heal. Only the hand of the Holy Ghost. So, if you go and study the life of Israel and you see that metaphor, God from time to time, you know what he called Israel? Prostitutes. Prostitutes. How can I be married to you? You are looking for other gods. Looking for other people to bend the knee. Okay. Let me show you some scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 3. Give me verse 8. Help me learn to know your way. Know your way. Know your way. Know your way. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet, her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played what? The harlot. Remember, he's not talking about an individual. He's talking about a nation. 
Why was he calling them adulterers and harlots? Because they were going to other gods. My generation, money has become an idol. Sex is an idol. All kinds of entertainment. Entertainment is an idol in this generation. We can't live without it. In fact, some of us are using our own money to enslave ourselves. Entertainment. We are looking for something to excite us. Oh God, if you spend time with God, hey, I do not preach to you as one who has attained. Once in a while, I still watch movies. And this is me telling you. But I sit down with myself and I, I study the men that lived before us. They did not need anything external to keep them excited. Keep them alive. Keep them engaged. If you even have control over it, it's good. That you can still look at one or two things once in a while and still keep your prayer routines. Aha. You can still be holy and sanctified. You still know that I can't look at this. I can't touch that. I can't go there. But some of us were like dumping grounds. Anything goes. Anything that is popular is your meat and your drink. Anything. He said, Judah, her sister, saw what I did to Israel. I thought she would take dressing. I divorced Israel. Because they were, they were committing adultery. Because one of his metaphors of his relationship with Israel is that Israel was his wife and he's her husband. He said, but when Judah saw it, she did not fear. Instead, she went to be a harlot. You see, let them come for me. I vow to God that if my preaching will save a generation, I will preach truth. The war is for a generation. It's for a generation. Because this generation is so bad, they can't even learn from Israel. They see what is happening. Yet, they see the shook head put. This is fornication, so we must do them. You employ a Christian to work with you in the office, and there's no character, no honesty, no integrity. When the Christian steals money from their madam shop, bro, you will think that is something important is to eat food. Oga, you are stealing to eat. If you are here during the great tribulation, and the the lawless one says that if you don't take the mark, you will not eat. Not if you are here, when you are here. Eh? If you had to steal to eat, I wonder what you will do in those days. I wonder what you will do. Give me Hosea chapter 4. Give me verse 10. Help me, Lord, to know your way. Know your way. Know your way. For they shall eat, but not have enough. They shall commit harlotry, but not increase. Because they did what? They have ceased obeying the Lord. Give me verse 11. 
Alotry, wine, and new wine. What do they do? Enslaves their heart. Verse 12. My people ask counsel from where? Wooden idols. And their staff informs them. For the spirit of harlotry has caused them to stray. And they have done what? Played the harlot against who? Their God. Give me NLT. Verse 12, NLT. They ask a piece of wood for advice. They think a stick can tell them the future. Longing after idols has made them what? Foolish. They have played the prostitute, serving other gods, and doing what? Deserting their God. Music has become an idol. Movies, idol. Dressing, an idol. Comfort in this world has become an idol. Peter said, be ye holy in all manner of conduct. So to save you from halotry, that's why God introduced those technologies. He will purge you. In purging, by the instrument of the word, he begins to change your appetites. The reason some of us are struggling with strange things is that we don't have time for Bible study. We are not drinking into God. We are not losing ourselves in God. We are not looking into the perfect law of liberty and being transformed into the same glory that we see. So what the Christian is doing is looking at the activities of the world. Looking at the activities of the world. And that's how he's trying to, he's trying to pattern his life after something God calls an abomination. Abomination. So what the Lord does for the believer is that he purges him. You will just find out that the conformity that the world is trying to give you and the contamination that the world is trying to put upon you doesn't have a resting place in your heart. You are purged. See, fornication is, is not attractive to the believer. Immorality is not attractive to the believer. You find a true Christian that has been purged, you will see it in their desires. Their appetites are strong for God. There's nothing in the hand of the devil that they want. Nothing. Somebody says, I'll just be at home reading my Bible. Won't you be bored? Ooh! Ooh! It's because you've never had intercourse with the world. You open a page of scripture, you'll be running around your room saying, Kabelo Fenekai. Say, oh, Jesus God is sweet. Say, look at what Jesus, oh my God. You will lose yourself there. You can be there for four hours. And your body will be burning. Burning. You, you're not going to know when you go walk out. You, you, with your boxers, you're on the road like this. Then you will run back into your room and say, You are bored. It's because the word is still letters. It has not become spirits. It's still letters. 
So there's a purging. It's a technology in the spirit. God will begin to change you from the inside out. From the inside out. You'll begin to experience a walking out the dimensions of the Holy Ghost. That you'll be able to sing like our father sang. The things I used to do, I do them no more. Those were not sweet songs. Those were covenants of consecration. Covenants of consecration. So you see a naked woman and you can't even have an erection. It's not because you are dead in your manhood. That appetite does not exist. If it's not my wife, sex not the hungry me. You know the hungry me. From where? If I am not married, I am not hungry for sex. You need to call yourself to a meeting. You sit down in class, a sister sits near you. Private part that God gave you is the one I'm controlling you. You are agreeing with them on social media that a man's brain is in his private part and then you come there and say, not true. You, you, full of the Holy Ghost, your brain is in your private part. There's something wrong with you. Something God gave you as a tool is controlling your, your head. I don't know. Any sister, I just get erect. Oga, call yourself to a meeting and look Satan in the eye and say, Satan, you don't own me. I've been blood bought, blood washed. I've been purged. If I'm not married, I'm not ready for sex. And I'm not ready for sex until I am married. There's a pruning, a technology of pruning. He says, when you begin to bear fruit, the Lord will bring you to the, to the garden. And then he will prune. And pruning is painful. It's painful. He said, but he has one agenda in mind so that you will bear more. You will bear more. John chapter 15. The Bible says that the husband man, what he does is that he prunes the vine. He prunes. Bro, if indeed we are sons, there will be seasons in our lives that there will be pruning. It's vagabonds and bastards that are never pruned. Pruning. He will come and tell you that this white native, anytime you wear it, you walk like an antelope. So white native used to, used to swell your pride. And where I'm taking you to pride, we kill you. So from today, no white native again. They say, okay, what happened to that, your white native? You say, I'm, I'm going through pruning, pruning, pruning. Legitimate things, he will now begin to demand. Not that the things are, are immoral, it's just that they are unholy. There are, there, are, there are aspects of your consecration that he needs to lay upon you. So that you can become the man he has in mind. As a young man, he will begin to tell you, all your friends can have female friends, but you, you better start acting like you don't see sisters. Then his sister will come and say, eh, uh, brother cares, brother cares. You are too hard. Then you know, like, eh.
Then you go to God and say, they are saying I'm too hard. God say, for you, I know your flesh. I know you. I know you, oh God, I know you. Put boundaries around your life. That's what I say. Before they say I'm a sadist. Before they say I'm a sadist. That's how men have disqualified themselves from destiny. Then there's the technology of death. Technology of death. Give me Galatians. I think that's Galatians 6. Let me see if I can find that scripture. Galatians 6. Give me verse 14. It's my tab. Is. Aha. That's right. That's what I'm looking for. But God forbid that I should boast. Except what? In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom what? The world has been crucified to me and I. That means the world is dead to me and me too I have died to the world. Give me an empty. Give me an empty. Then give me a message. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been what? Crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. Give me a message. Message translation. For my part, I am going to boast about nothing but the cross of our master, Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, I have been crucified in relation to the world, set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others, and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. I've been set free. I'm not living to please men. You see, I don't owe the world an explanation. I owe the world love. I will love men. But if you come and start saying, uh, is it only them that are holy? Yes, it's only us. We are holy. It's a commandment. There must be a clear difference between them that serve God and them that serve Him not. Give me Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, begin at verse 5. Romans chapter 6. Okay, go to verse 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 6, 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead in death, indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Next verse. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Go back to verse 11. For sin shall have no, no have dominion over you. Go, give me an LT. We're talking about the technology of death. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Next verse. Do not let sin do what? Control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. 13. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to save sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were what? But now you have new life. 
So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory. Give me the last verse, 14. Sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer, you, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Give me my last scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. The technology of death. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Next verse. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. I've run out of time. Next week, we will now look at other dimensions on how to survive in this realm. I sense that the Lord's emphasis tonight is the purging, is the pruning, is the call to death. If you don't live in these three realities, you cannot be holy. You cannot be holy. The problem in this generation is a lot of men and women who claim to name the name of the Lord, but they are contaminated by the things of the world. They have become conformed to the thinking pattern, the principles, the processes of the world. How can God save a world where his men and women are controlled by the very same things he's trying to destroy? You think God just wants to pack all of us to heaven? If he does it like that, will we do like Noah? Immediately Noah came out of the ark. The first thing he went to do was to go and get drunk. Because God had brought him out of the corruption. But the corruption was still in his appetite. So sanctification is a preparation for Zion. Oh, we hail Zion. We hail the King of Zion. We are the citizens of Zion. Your kingdom reigns forevermore. We hail Zion. We hail the King of Zion. We are the citizens of Zion. Your kingdom reigns forevermore. We hail Zion. We hail the King of Zion. We are the citizens of Zion. Your kingdom reigns forevermore. We are not of the world. We are here. But we belong to another kingdom. We belong to another kingdom. While we are seated, I want to make an altar call tonight. Make an altar call. I was speaking to one of my brothers some days ago. Came to see me with his wife after prayers. And we were talking. As he was about to go, he said, Daddy, 
this your daughter she has been a blessing to me she has been doing so greatly and my heart was encouraged men should be able to bear witness of your life that's a husband testifying about his wife can we go to where you walk and they will say this one is holy One secondary school, they put a gate man there to be, to be watching over the children. A five-year-old, her mother had not come to pick her. The gate man, obviously a believer, attending church. I weep sometimes. You see, when I say these things, you don't know the place of pain I am coming from. What is attractive in a five-year-old? It's because we have abandoned the teaching of God's holiness. And we are pampering people about money, about marketing. We are doing influencer marketing. We have left the details about God and His Christ and the cross. We are talking about wealth and, and, and invading the seven mountains. What concerns God with mountains when the man who should go to the mountain is corrupt? The man that wants to go to a mountain, his thinking is the world. His desires is contaminated. And we are talking about mountains. That's why we have sent men to politics and they have been, they've been a disgrace to the name of God. A man will go and minister in another country. He will sing on the pulpit and sleep with a sister in the night. Pastors can't take their hands off their wives, even sleeping with their assistant pastor's wife. And yet, they continue to preach. They continue to teach. Then if you come and talk, the same generation you are trying to preserve, so that that generation is not forgotten by God, they are the ones that will rise up against you. Jerusalem killed her prophets before. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. But as long as there is breath in my nostrils, I will preach the Lord's word. I will call a generation. I will call a generation to salvation. I will call a generation. We are not going to stand by and watch Satan infiltrate our ranks and reduce us to weak men. Reduce us to useless people. How can a girl be sitting in church? Her pastor will meet her and say, come and sleep with me. She doesn't have the, the, the locus. She doesn't have the strength to say this thing is wrong. You are sleeping with your pastor and you are bold to still be sitting in the congregation. We are Zion. And in Zion, we have a king. And this king is glorious in holiness. Bow your heads. Wherever you are tonight, you can speak to God. I want to make one altar call. I don't know what you need to tell God quickly now. I'm not giving you a prayer point. Talk to Him quickly. We hail Zion, we hail Zion, we hail the King of Zion.
We are the citizens of Zion. Your kingdom reigns forevermore. We hail Zion. We hail Zion. We hail the kingdom Zion. We are the citizens of Zion. Your kingdom reigns forevermore. We hail Zion. We hail Zion. We hail the kingdom Zion. We are the citizens of Zion. Your kingdom reigns forevermore. We hail Zion. We hail the King of Zion. We are the citizens of Zion. Your kingdom reigns forevermore. You are here tonight. And you want to put your life right with God. The things of the world have so damaged you. You are looking for answers in the wrong places. You know what I'm saying. Before we pray tonight, you are looking for answers in the wrong places. You are looking for it in Yahoo. Looking for it in sex. Looking for it in immorality. Looking for it in strange places. And you are saying, man of God, I want Jesus tonight. Either you are in a terribly backsliding state. Or you don't even know Jesus at all. It's you I want to pray for tonight. Before we pray. Wherever you are. You can stand and come to the front quickly. The impact of my life is how much of you I carry.
waiting for you. Then I pray. Where are they? Two. Come quickly now. Come. That's one. I'm waiting for one more. Come. Nobody's looking at your face. It's between you and Jesus. Those of you in front, talk to God quickly now. You know what you need to tell him. Tell him quickly. We've run out of time. You don't have to live here like damaged goods. You are looking for Jesus in the wrong places. The one you are looking for, he has been looking for you. He has been waiting for you. Today you can, you can cut a covenant with him. You can draw him back into an embrace. And say, Lord, I will not let you go again. If you are one that is backsliding, can you come back to the one whom your heart loves? This is not a year to be coming out for altar call every Sunday. Settle it today and go back and be separate. Bitter and sweet water cannot come out of the same fountain. If indeed you are the Lord's, we must begin to see it in the way you live on a daily basis. You can't be in church and be pursuing Yahoo. You can't be in church and be a glorified prostitute. You can't be in church and be a slave of mammon. Oh, Rabakabilai. Edimania, Kedie, Edimania, Udiana, you in the congregation, make sure you are praying. We are going to pray for five minutes and we are done tonight. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters quickly. I ask, oh God, that they be restored. Those who have wondered, let it be a night of restoration. Those that have become like backsliding Israel in her day. Lord, let restorations begin now. Whatever was the platform that Satan used to invade their space and make them slaves to setting unholy desires, let that platform crumble tonight. Give them new appetites. Let the purging begin. Let it 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 begin. Let the purging begin tonight. Let the purging begin. Let the purging begin tonight, oh God. And let it be that your name is glorified. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Rise. Those of you here, rise quickly. Is there any one of you that has not given his life to Christ? Because the Lord is telling me that there are two people that need to get born again tonight. Two. I have never given my life to Christ. If you are here or you are in the congregation, two people need to get born again tonight. I've been attending church. Never giving your life to Christ. Never giving your life to Christ. Okay. So the rest of you go to your seat. If you've never given your life to Christ, please go. Come to this side. The rest of you go to your seat.
Rise on your feet. I want you to pray one prayer for you quickly. I'm done tonight. Listen, as we are praying this prayer, time has gone. As we are praying this prayer, some of you will literally feel the hand of God come upon you. Because, like I was telling them at the tent yesterday night, during the prayers, that this year, what you are going to call testimonies will be spoils of warfare. So if you don't know how to do warfare, you won't have testimonies. I was telling them last night, God told me, spoils of warfare. So he told me tonight that what he will do is that he will put the anointing for war. For you to be able to be victorious in warfare. He wants to strengthen people tonight. Strengthen, strengthen, strengthen. You are not permitted to lose battles this year. Whether the battle is in your mind, whether it's in your flesh, whether it's in your soul, whether it's in your spirit. So I'll give you three minutes. Then the last two minutes I will ask the Lord to anoint. Three minutes now. Go to the Lord. 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 Quickly. Quickly now. Quickly now. Go to the Lord. Go to the Lord. On sight. On land. The Lord wants to make men victorious. Who are thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel. You become a plane tonight. Pray now. He bara bara tape do bo do bo. Labria, labria, labria. You have only three minutes. If I were you, I will pray. Isata papa 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 papa. Lupria to presuda. That devil is a liar. That devil is a liar. I will pray. I will pray. I will pray. I will pray. Young lady, pray. Young man, pray. Hola. Is it the back of the book of the book of the book? La ka 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 ka. barrio.
There's some of you, the power of God will come upon you now. Ushers, bring them to me. I need to anoint these ones. At the count of five. At the count of five. I see one lady on this middle at the back. At the back, at the back, at the back. One, two, three, four, five. I see the warrior here. The angel of the Lord, he stands here. In the name of Jesus. Shout Jesus! Holy Ghost! 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 Yes! 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 Take! I said take! 
on our belly. Pray in the Holy Ghost. upon you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Wherever contamination exists, they are being expunged now from your vessel, from your mind, from your soul, from your spirit. Every field, every initiation, my God, paratapokopai, Everything that has disqualified you from the move of God. Now! Because you have made up your mind to walk with Jesus like never before. Such strange appetites are dying now. Seeds that were sown when you were not aware. When the enemy crept in, when you fell asleep. From now, I command such seeds to die from the roots. What you are going to do is that you are going to shout, I am free, three times. One. Two. Three. Can somebody celebrate Jesus? Shababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababab